When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azov and Stefan Rosner, your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. What's up, everybody? Episode 37 of The Back Check is live. We have a great show today. Very special guest joining us, Shannon Walsh, host of the Slapshot Sweethearts podcast, a partner podcast with us here at Belly Up Sports. Great show. If you have not listened to it yet, she's going to come on, talk hockey with us, the NHL playoffs. There's a lot to talk about. We had our 20th overtime game yesterday with both games heading to OT. I know one of them didn't give the result that Stefan wanted. But, Stefan, how you doing today, buddy? It's been a great week of hockey and a, a great week since we spoke, uh, especially. Yeah, I mean, uh, sure. Great, great, great is the word I wouldn't choose. Action-wise, it's been more. great. Action-wise, it's been, it's been stellar playoff hockey. But could we use gaff again? As Gaff, this word just keeps coming into my head every single game, apparently, because Semyon Varlamov and Gaff just seem to go hand in hand in this playoffs. But we'll talk Islanders hockey in a little bit. Need to need to get you know into the swing of things before we go into into what we saw last you night. Need but to I get, get warmed up, right? Yeah, just not ready for that conversation just yet. But we have awards that are being handed out. We got nominations for the Vesna. You got Mark Andre Fleury, Philip Grubauer, and the last one, Brendan, which is giving my mind is. Andre Vasilevsky. Andre Vasilevsky, who probably will win it just because he's, he's Andre Vasilevsky and he is the greatest goaltender on the planet right now. And for, I guess, for a bunch of us that are on the East Coast, we don't really get to watch Grubauer. We saw Flurry and what he's capable of in Pittsburgh. We saw in his first couple of years with Vegas because they were a big story, but Grubauer never got the respect. I don't think he deserves, quite frankly, as a great team in front of him, as does every one of these goalies. But you saw in the in the, this series so far against Vegas, Philip Grubauer makes those big time saves for his hockey club, and he he's a very good netminder. Yeah, Philip Grubauer is, and the part about this that I love the most is when they release the three finalists. Yeah. Philip Grubauer is probably getting the most slack out of all, where people are like, "Oh, he's on the like Avalanche. He's not that good of a goaltender." And then the next playoff game, Vegas dominates the whole entire game. He stands on his head. He got bailed out a couple of times by the post, but any good goaltender would tell you that means his positioning was on point. And he played great out of his mind. I mean, he was breakaway save after breakaway save, one-timer save. And the most impressive save he made that whole game, I think, was at the end when Vegas had a power play on March or so. Looked around the screen the other way and then popped out with the glove. So he kind of silenced everybody and said, yeah, I know I have a good team in front of me, but look what I had to do and they're not playing so hot. And that series kind of amped it up a little bit. So I'm excited for what happens now in Vegas. But Colorado's a wagon, man. And if Grubauer plays like he is a Vesna finalist, uh, that's a really, really tough team to beat. 
How about even a save on on Tuck on the breakaway? I know yeah. he didn't get he didn't get enough of that. He wanted to go high glove, but Goodbye was there. He was in the right position. Again, you talked about it. His positioning was key all night long. And you, and you look at a goalie that didn't make it. And for Islander fans, Semyon Varlamov had in himself a Vesna-type season. The problem is there were three other goalies that did just that. Hellebuck wasn't even included in this list. And it doesn't take away from the fact that both those guys had great seasons. Again, Varlamov had one of the best seasons of his NHL career. He led the NHL in shutouts with seven. And again, people say, well, he's only one of the best defensive I, want, I wanted to say this because... Yeah. I think the reason Varlamov is not getting nominated is because of Sorokin. Wins. Well, that would go hand-in-hand hand with Sorokin because yeah. Sorokin He played. played too many games. When you, when you look at these other teams, like Flurry, yes, split with Leonard, but Flurry wound up carrying the load late, like as we see now in the postseason. They trust him or he had a better season. If Vasilevsky doesn't play, they don't win, right? I mean, Vasilevsky yeah, yeah. is not important to that team. And Grubauer carried the bulk for the Avalanche too. So I really think that as good of a season as Varlamov had and as good of a season as Sorokin had because they both had good seasons and they both split at uh, comes the end of the season. That's why you can't nominate one of them. Cause when you look at the totals, he was what? 19, 10 and one. 19, Varlamov, 11 and four. 11 and four. So you look at that total compared to the others, the games played really hurt him in the long run. And it's funny too, because he had out of all the three goals that were nominated, Varlamov actually had the better save percentage by, a very minimal amount, and his goals against average would have been third. But again, he didn't have the wins. You see Vasilevsky and Grubauer both had 30-plus wins, and you said it. Yes, Fleury split with Leonard, but Fleury was the main reason. Leonard wasn't as dominant late. He got injured, all that kind of stuff, and Fleury really took the helm and and is uh, playing lights out in the playoffs. I mean, he's he's had a little mis- a couple of miscues so far in this Colorado Avalanche series, but that's going to happen when you face an Avalanche offense like that because, like you said, they're absolutely lethal. I mean, Nathan McKinnon, we've had this conversation, Brendan, who would you rather have, McKinnon or McDavid? And I was leaning towards McDavid, but, oh, my God, if we had a draft right now, if we had a draft right now, it's not even a question. Nathan McKinnon's on my hockey team because we could talk about regular season success and getting the team to the playoffs. But it matters what you do in the playoffs. And quite frankly, McDavid did zilch, nada, nothing. Didn't do anything. And again, he didn't get enough help from his team. You look at the avalanche and who does McKinnon have around him. But at the end of the day, you got to make plays. And McKinnon's the one making the plays. And God, what a what a fantastic player to watch play hockey. I think the avalanche are one of the few teams that I've seen in recent memory where when it came to the postseason time, you have like their five big names and every single one of them is producing right now. Even Landeskog has like eight to ten points. He was my pick for the Con Smythe, and the only reason he's not being talked about is because, unfortunately, Nathan McKinnon is doing otherworldly things, and Miko Ranton is sniping every shot he takes, and Cal McCarr is stopping and spinning like he's a ballerina out there. And uh, I mean, there's so many things that are going on in Colorado, and they're so so good. And I remember I, I picked them to win the cup in the beginning of the year. I doubled down on that prediction come postseason time. I bet on them, and. When I watch that team, I know that people are like their defense might be a little weaker or their goaltending might not hold up. Those things all got checked off throughout the course of the season, right? Devon Taves came over and has been a stud for them on the back end. Graves solidified. Graves has come out of nowhere like the last two seasons, just keeps getting better. And now Grubauer is a Vesna finalist. So the two weaknesses that they potentially had have been completely wiped away. And this is an absolute juggernaut of a team. Juggernaut. Speaking of a team that has regular season success, because we really haven't talked in about a week, or that felt like it feels like forever. Oh my God, that Toronto Maple Leafs! <laughs> I mean, it's just when they lost Game Six. When they lost Game Six, you knew that the you knew Montreal was winning the series. You knew yeah, for a fact. Right. Carey Price was great this series, this whole series, and for a team that is legitimately probably one of the best offensive teams in hockey, and we're going to have to outscore their opponents to win could not score. When you take away some a team that doesn't play great defense, and first off, how many overtime turnovers are they going to have and then blame blame certain play? I mean, you can't have that in overtime. Why is McDermott spinning towards the middle and trying yeah. to make passes? You got to be safe in overtime. It's got to be up the boards. You got to chip. So maybe this was a good series to lose for them because now they know not to do that, but <laughs> we all know that's not true. They'll probably do it again next year. I want to pat myself on the back here because okay. we had our bunny, uh, our buddy, not bunny, NHL uh, Rumors Daily come on. Yeah. You were talking about this series, Mm -hmm. and he basically said it was Toronto's to win, and Toronto's going to go all the way. And I said, I can't pick Toronto to win a series until they prove that they can. And Montreal is not as bad as people think. And 
it got proved this way. And I thought I was going to be dead wrong, right? I, I picked like in my bracket Toronto to win because on paper they're significantly better, but my goodness, man. I mean, I feel bad for Marner because he just can't find the back of the net come postseason. Matthews was silent. I mean, these are all like great players that I think every other team would gladly take. And it's just something about the postseason where if they got over that hump, if they found a way to scrape out a game seven win, oh my God, they would be dangerous because every single weight is off their shoulders. And it's just a freeing spirit. But and I'm sorry, I I can't stand the blame of well, the Toronto Maple Leafs lost John Tavares, and you know that's that's it. Okay, look at the Islanders, for example. They lost Anders Lee, and they're somehow still kicking, and they have a so less much different, prowess, much different team, much different team, but less offensive prowess. So the Maple Leafs should still be able to score goals without John Tavares on the ice. Plain and simple, the Islanders don't have as many weapons as Toronto, and like I said, they're in a battle with the Boston Bruins. They're down two games to one, but they've been there before. They did it last round. But to move to another Canadian team who has a bit of an issue because one of their best players, Mark Scheifele, decided to knock out Evans on Montreal with a a late hit in a game that you don't want to see in the NHL anymore, yet there's a lot of talk about was this legal, was it not legal. So, Ben, I'll let you go first because, you know, we probably have different viewpoints. Yeah. Um, so, it's a penalty. I, I will say it's that. A, it's a 200-foot charge. It, it is, but at the same time, it's not. So he slowed up. I, I have a problem with the charge definition in our rule book because the, the NHL rule book says distance traveled, which is moronic when you think about it because the whole entire sport of hockey is distance traveled, right? I mean, if this play happened differently where Shifley reaches for the puck first and then follows through with the check, no one's c- complaining regardless of the result because he's going for the puck there. So the issue I have with this whole play is not how far he went because that's the sport, right? He's chasing down a puck. It's the fact that the puck was there. And now, granted, if he poke checks the puck, he probably puts it in, right? Yeah. There's very little room that he has to make that play. But you got to stick on stick first, and then you got to follow through with the body. He didn't, and that's why it's a charge. Now, he did stop. I, I don't think that he had the intent to hurt him because Shifley has no history. I think that the intent was he's down one. He wants to send the message by – if this guy's going to go to the net and try to wrap it in, he's going to pay a price, and he did. Uh, Evans was in a very vulnerable position. I think that had a lot to do with it. I think four games is too much. I think one or two would have sufficed in my mind just because, like I said, he stopped his feet from moving. He didn't leave his feet. Everyone that's saying he left his feet doesn't know the rule because he was on the ice. When you make contact, everyone's you can leave your feet. Yeah. So it wasn't as vicious as people think there was no malice there in my mind. Um, it was just a hockey play that Shifley doesn't realize how fast he's actually moving because he didn't play the puck. I think it was a penalty should have been called should have been a one to two game suspension force too much. If Evans doesn't get hurt there, I, I guarantee you this. don't get a game. He probably gets a penalty on the play for charging. But at that point in the game, you just write that down in the, in the, box score and that's it because the game's over he scored the empty netter so the game was over i think it's exactly what you want to see from your uh assistant captain in that situation hustling back but once he stopped and then went not to play the puck went for the body that's a frustration play by shifley clearly he was frustrated and you know just because you're not a dirty player doesn't mean you can't make dirty plays and that's what we saw we saw frustration and now winnipeg's in a tough spot down one game is to nothing without one of their better players. And we have to first off credit uh, Ehlers for what he did. Yeah, that was awesome. This because Ehlers realized, I mean, Evans was knocked out. You saw the way he was laying there. He was knocked down. He has a history of concussions, and that's just tough. But Ehlers pretty much blocked any player from by their team from falling on Evans to make sure he was okay. I know after the game, uh, Canadian's head coach thanked Ehlers. I mean, that's just not that's what hockey's about there, you know. There's a certain respect level, and yeah, maybe Shifley crossed that line with lack of respect to Evans. But at the end of the day, Ehlers tried to make the situation better at protecting a player, and he didn't do that for the attention. He did that because it's a, you're a hockey family. We know this sport is family-oriented in the fact that every player, you know, it's a sport of hockey. They're all close-knit group. You don't want to see players get hurt, and great job by Ehlers to do what he did there. Yeah, it was. It was an awesome job at him, a good show of sportsmanship. And to go back to your point of he the – dirty play people kept like freeze framing it on twitter can't do that 
You can't. It, it's you know how fast he's moving. When you watch that thing, well, live, when you stay two hundred feet fast, you're going pretty fast. That's what I'm saying. So initial like thing there, he doesn't have time to say, "Am I going to poke this? Do that?" It's the wrong play. He should have went after the puck. I'm not saying it's the right play, yeah. but I am saying that to break it down the way people have after seeing it is the wrong way of viewing it. Right? He didn't look at that and go, okay, look how much time I have to, to make this play and, and look at this. He's moving at such a f- high rate of speed that it's ridiculous. And the letter of the law, by the way, in the Hockey Canada rulebook for a charge is no more than two strides into contact. So by their letter of the law, this wasn't even a charge. <laughs> yeah, I but, mean. Like, people have to take a step back, I think. You get caught up in the heat of the moment. You don't want to see anybody injured. And by no means am I saying it was an okay hit that he injured him, right? I don't want to see anybody injured. I actually tweeted yesterday after the Carlo injury. I was like, come on, you can't be chanting right now while he's really dazed and rattled on the ice. So I don't want to see people get hurt. But at the same time, the injury can't be the focal point of the judgment. Like people get injured all the time. I, I mean, I got injured the other day walking down my stairs. You don't see me taking my staircase to a Department of Player Safety and asking for a suspension. You got to look at that. And I think because he didn't play the puck, it should have been a one to two game suspension. Four games in the playoff series? That's that's equivalent to 12 games in the regular season for a non-repeat offender. And if the Winnipeg Jets lose this series, I mean, there'll be plenty of blame to go around, but not having Shifley is definitely going to be one of them. You pretty much locked and loaded that excuse right there. And it's it's a valid excuse. You're one of your top players out, but... At the end of the day, Shifley made a mistake, and he has to pay, he has to pay the consequences for it because he didn't think he you know in the moment. Obviously, he's frustrated. He wants to make a play. Did he expect to knock him out? No, he was looking for a hard hit. Did you see what TSN tweeted out or one of the TSN um, Twitter accounts saying how much blame do you put on Evans for this? That was because that he had his head down. What an attention grabber for that! You're just trying to get clicks there. That's what that was. And realistically, it's like three percent of the blame because you're supposed you're taught as seven years old to have your head up, but you can't tweet that out. You can't you can't blame him because Shifley decided to do something. First off, Evans did not even see Shifley coming, and he scored the empty netter right before he got hit. So I don't know. You know, we talk about respect level. Do you lay a hit there? I mean, a legal hit, maybe a bump, but the way he got taken out, you can't blame him. His head's down because he's getting the puck and putting an empty net. And yeah, you know what? He took a hit to make a play. I mean, he put the puck in first, but he at the last second, he realized what was about to happen. Hopefully, Evans can return this year, but that's very doubtful. He's probably done for the year. And young player, again, this Montreal Canadiens team is one of those teams that has a, a lot of young talent. And it's sad to see a guy like that go down in the way he did because, you know, it's just you never want to see hits like that. That's the hits we're trying to get rid of in this game. When players that are not dirty do those types of things, you're taking a step backwards rather than forwards. Correct. Yeah. And listen, the intensity of playoff hockey, man, right? It's not an excuse, but it definitely lapses your judgment, right? I mean, Nazim Kadri is the perfect example because very rarely do you see him get suspended in the regular season. But uh, come playoff time, all of a sudden he's like a bat out of hell because it's just a different type of intensity. But Shifley did deserve a suspension for that hit, not four games. That's too much, in my opinion. It's so funny. Player, no, I mean, not funny, but player safety just – what, do they roll dice now? They, because – This is a makeup. They're making up for their lack of judgment with Tom Wilson because you can't tell me a repeat offender doing what he did in that scenario is not worthy of a suspension. But they're making it worse. They're making themselves look worse. Yes. Yeah, it's not helping. Most yet. definitely. And it's it's fun. I, I get how fans are getting frustrated because instead of basing it off your rule book or whatever you want to go by, whatever Powers reads at night, he's basing it off what didn't happen, and then what happened. Like, okay, well, we didn't suspend Wilson for this, so we can't do X, Y, and Z. Or we, we you know, that's how he's judging it, and that's not the way you're supposed to do it. No. You have a clear set of rules. It should instead it should be. These are our rules. This is what the suspension matches. But now, because they're trying to cover their asses or try to be as consistent as possible, which they're doing anything but, we didn't make, we didn't call Wilson. We didn't give Wilson these amount of games for that play. So therefore, we can't do that. But then you suspend a guy that has no history no, of dirty right. plays for an entire, pretty much an entire series. Yeah, when that should have been the case. I mean, you saw the Reeves hit. You saw the Kadri hit. You saw Shifley hit. I mean, we've seen bad plays so far this postseason. The brush cross strike on Mayfield. Like, we've seen bad plays. 
but you're not being consistent. And I rather that I rather them I rather them say they made a mistake and then start from scratch based on their rules and continue to do what they're doing because it's not fair. If I'm Shifley, first off, he he didn't have an in person hearing, which means the max could have been five games. Now I don't know if he can appeal because it's only it wasn't an in person hearing. I'm not sure how that works. I don't think he will anyway. It's tough because if I'm Shifley, I say listen. Never once did a thing. Never once did that. I'm going to lay a hit. It was unfortunate. He could even say that Evans's head was down. It's tough. His whole but, argument is going to. He definitely gave that during the appeal, uh, during the hearing. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. We're not inside there, but then he could say, "Listen, look at what X, Y, and Z did. Look what they got, and they're repeat offenders. All three of them, Reeves, Kadri, and Wilson. All three of them are repeat offenders. How are you going to give me more? Yeah. I mean, not, not more than Kadri, obviously, but how are you going to give me?" You know, how are you going to give me more? It's very frustrating. And I, I mean, I, NHL player safety has a lot in their hands. Clearly, it's NHL playoffs. Things are going to happen. But they got to start getting these things right and fast because if not, they're going to be inconsistent for forever. And it's going to be tough for a lot of players to swallow because you're not going to know what the line is. There, There is no line. And uh, we're going to talk. We got Shannon Walsh waiting, so we'll bring her on. Hey, Shannon, how you doing? This is Shannon Walsh, host of the Slapshot Sweethearts podcast on the Belly Up Sports Network. Shannon, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm an Islander fan, so it's a tough <laughs> tough morning for me. I didn't really sleep well. But no, it's, I mean, NHL playoffs this year have been absolutely fantastic. We were just talking about the Shifle hit. So do you want to give us your take on that play? Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised he's suspended. Uh, I caught a little bit of what you guys were saying, but the the problem for me is not his suspension, but the lack of consistency in the suspensions all season. I was saying on Twitter that uh, George Paris has been so inconsistent with his rulings that fans don't even know what to expect when they see a questionable play. They say, you know, clean hit or, you know, suspend him for a year. And there's no in between. And I don't think that's like a fan bias issue. I think it's a genuine misunderstanding of like what is an inappropriate play and what is not. And that's to no fault of, again, the fans own that's an NHL player safety failure of genuinely educating both players and fans on what is right and what's wrong. But you remember when Shanahan was in, office they would release videos and he would yeah. go through exactly what was suspension worthy and why and george powers just sends out a tweet it's it's send and, and we're good like it's so bad that uh, he can't be in that office anymore <laughs> no i mean you look at what happened with the rangers you look at the whole wilson thing i mean again inconsistently is inconsistency is bad because then players don't know what that line is players okay this is what i could get away with but then uh, someone goes to lay a hit and they get more games than the other guy and it go okay how do we play this game the right way. Obviously, that hit by Shifley is something that the NHL is trying to get rid of. But in the end of the day, if he gets four games for that, another player might do the same thing and get a fine. So it's tough because players have to understand what they can do. And like you said, Shannon, fans have no idea what's going on. And it's like a flip of a coin, or not even a coin, a die with these games. And I don't think Paris is going to be out of office. Gary Bettman said that he appreciates his work and thinks he's doing a great job. But again, that's Gary Bettman. He has to say I was like, Gary Bettman's a separate issue in himself. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't know what he's saying anymore. No. He's a little loopy in the head. But is, is four games too much or too little in your mind or the right amount? No, I think it's the right amount. I mean, I know that they don't look at prior history and they don't look at other, you know, extenuating circumstances when they make these decisions. But I mean, the Montreal Canadiens were just in the situation with the John Tavares hit. And there was obviously that was a freak accident. That wasn't an inappropriate play, but they have already had a serious injury in the playoffs. Granted, it was on the other side of the ice and then they have to go through this. So their emotions are railing. And our intern actually was on our live stream last night. And she was saying that, you know, if they don't take these hits seriously and they don't start uh, policing it off the ice, then the players are going to start doing it on the ice. And that's just going to make it more unsafe when they go deeper and deeper in the playoffs. And obviously one of these teams has to move on. And if it's Winnipeg and there is a, pitchfork out for them because they're not playing safely that's not going to be good if it's Montreal and they're already upset because their guys are getting hurt and the NHL is not doing anything about it then it's the same issue just on the other side so I personally think it should have been two just because by letter of Hockey Canada's rule it wasn't even a charge like it it's a very fine line with this hit that I think people will acknowledge as we get deeper on but I understand what you're saying and from what Joel Edmondson said post game, where he's like, if he comes back in this series, we're going to make his life miserable. I love that. That was awesome to hear. Nah, they I mean, will. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they will, but you don't know if he'll even be around for a series. Montreal at the 1 nothing lead. But Shannon, obviously, you know, your show, your podcast, 
you guys don't take a night off. You're covering every game, and it, it's awesome to see. It's great. Yeah, great <laughs> I, bet, I bet you are. But what series so far in this playoffs has really caught your attention as being one of the more exciting ones? Yeah, so, which we do not do it every day when it's not the playoffs, just to get that out there. I know it's <laughs> life. Um, but I would say that I was really intrigued by the Florida series. So Florida and Tampa was really good. I think Florida lost that one because they had two periods of bad goaltending um, and they had a lack of playoff experience. Tampa's playoff experience has come through both in that series and then against the Hurricanes as well. And Carolina's having the same problem that they don't have the playoff experience that Tampa does. Um, so I think that's been really interesting. And then obviously looking at both of the North series and seeing how these teams that everyone was boasting about, you know, Connor David, Austin Matthews, these guys are, deserve a cup, blah, blah, blah. And then they both get out in the first round. So, I mean, that's incredible. I don't give a crap about the North, but like seeing that and watching fans get shut up is like very interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we look at the North and I guess me and Brennan both in the same mindset is whatever team can out of the North is probably going to have a tough time against the other team just yeah. because there is no defense played except, except in the series against Montreal because Carey Price was locked in. The defense was pretty good in Toronto had no answer. But besides that defense was not a, a positive thing in this division. When you go against the other teams in the league, you're not going to be able to score the four or five goals per game. And you're probably going to lose that series. No, and by this point, because it's Montreal and Winnipeg, it's like one of these things is not like the other. When you look at the yeah. other teams that are left, like they're not going to be able to contend against. Granted, Vegas has not looked good in the playoffs so far. They've been absolutely slow. So it's going to be a surprise to me if they make it out of Colorado. But if Winnipeg or Montreal goes up against Colorado or Vegas, like that's a sweep. That is a sweep I'm willing to bet on. And I didn't put a sweep on any of these series so far. So, I, I mean, that is just unquestionably boring it's going to be a blowout in my opinion at least unless there's a huge surprise out of the north i completely agree because <laughs> now that montreal won that series it's guaranteed that they have to play colorado or vegas and that's just a bloodbath yeah. and i know that vegas hasn't looked like vegas but they still beat a very good minnesota team who i think would beat one of the toronto montreal that group too and they did look better than Colorado did last night. So it'll be interesting to see. But I don't think – I think whoever wins this series right now between Colorado and Vegas has their ticket punched to the Stanley Cup. Oh, yeah, I mean, I think that – yeah. I, I think any team in any of the – even in any team in the East Division that came out except the Sabres, I think could have put up a battle against Montreal. But just because – speaking of the Sabres, by the way, the draft lottery, I feel so bad for whoever they're taking number one because he might as well just retire on the spot. Yeah, someone asked me if I thought because they got the first overall pick that was bait for Jack Eichel to stay. And I was like, no, no chance at all. Like, Jack Eichel is out. Sam Reinhart has already packed his bags. Like, no one is staying in Buffalo and whoever. It's like a New Jersey Devil situation. Like, they go there and their career is dead for like three years until they can prove that they're worthwhile somewhere else. <laughs> like, I've watched so many careers from former Islanders go to the Sabres and just. Yep, that's it. You never hear from them again. One of my favorite players growing up was Kyle Oposone. I feel so bad for oh, him. Yeah. Matt Molson <laughs> went over there. Matt Molson was, by the way, at the Coliseum watching the Islanders, and, and it's just cool to see. But see yeah, what but, playoff hockey's like for the first time since no, the Sabres. Stop it. But uh, um, no, you look at it, and for Buffalo, I don't think one pick is going. If if I'm them, and I truly, you know, this guy's a high end guy. You want? I kind of think, well, I don't know what you guys think of maybe trading the pick and getting as many assets as you can. Because one draft pick we've seen in the past, they flop this. They mess this up every time. And their one draft pick, while he could be a really great player, I, I feel like it's not going to be the difference. And it, you need that starting point, obviously. And if Jack Eichel's leaving, Sam Ironheart's leaving, there's not a lot of talent there. But I don't know. I feel like they don't ever do this right. And is this going to be the do this right? Probably not. No, and I'm of the opinion, not even just in hockey, but in most professional sports, that one first round pick, unless it's like, I don't, I, I don't know, like a star, yeah, like a starstruck, well, not even because he's gotten out in the first round yeah, with a second MVP caliber player, like, unless it is a fantastic quarterback in the NFL that like, no bones about it does not flop. There, there's no way a single first round pick is going to turn over your bad, bad season like there, it's just no way you need I love trading down for multiple assets and especially ones that are already in the league and have shown that they have promise and not yeah. more picks where you could also screw it up I know the Bruins had a couple of years ago I can't it was Don Sweeney's first year as GM and we had picks 14 15 and 16 oh, that's when they passed on Barzal right <laughs> he yeah we passed on Barzal we passed on um somebody else too and we picked 
like three horrendous guys. <laughs> one of them we cut already, and one of them we're about to give up to Seattle. So like, what? What did? What did you do that for? <laughs> no. So the only reason I will say that Buffalo should not trade that first pick is because they have assets that they can get people for right now. Like you can get a lot for Eichel. You might be able to get more for Eichel than you can for that first overall. Pick. Yeah, and the only other argument is that their GM has not shown that he knows what he's doing after he just got accosted in the Taylor Hall trade. So, I mean, he's yeah, yeah. I don't know what he's going to do for Jack Eichel, but I, I can't imagine it's going to be good. Yeah, Sabre fans must be crying every night knowing that they're going to get absolutely tricked on the Eichel trade. You know, it's just it's sad. It really is sad because as an Islander fan, they were terrible for a very long time, and now they're out of that, and it's Kind of hard to remember them being pretty bad, but for Sabre fans, it's the same. I don't know, would you rather be a Sabre fan or a Leaf fan? At least the Sabre fans know it's going to be bad. The Leaf fans, you know, get high up on, we're going to win, we're going to win, and don't. I, I feel like I'd rather take the, I know what's going to happen, rather than getting absolutely, you know, whatever just happens to Toronto. It's, it's tough. Yeah, I mean, I, we, like, collaborate with a few Devils podcasts, and they all, you know, are just excited for the next season. Like, don't really want to get to them. Like, their their expectations are leveled. But then as a Leafs fan, you see what their roster was, and I'm like, how did you do that? Like, you had all the tools. You had all the keys you needed to at least get past the first round, and you couldn't do it. Now they've got all of these veteran free agents. And I'm like, are you going to resign those again and try to do the exact same thing over, or are you just going to, like – the, the the last piece they needed was toughness, and they got that. They got Simmons. They got Felino. I mean, they got what they needed to get the them. The last piece to, they needed is goaltending and defense. Well, they needed defense the whole time. I mean, they just said, you know what, we're going to try to outscore everybody, and look what happens in the playoffs, which they should have known because in the playoffs, offense is very hard to come by. If you're going to win, you're going to score a couple of goals and play strong defense. The teams that don't have strong the defense. The Penguins have the same problem, the same exact problem. Yeah. Their top players got shut down by the Islanders. Therefore, they didn't win, and they didn't score enough goals. And then again, Sorokin stood on his head. Don't get me wrong. But the Islanders' defense made it tough for those top guys. And we saw Montreal made it tough for the Toronto's top guys, and they had no answer. Because when they can't score goals, they can't win hockey games. Yeah, I mean, why did the Penguins acquire another offensive weapon at the trade deadline and not get anything for their blue line? Like, Chris Letang is made of paper, and they don't have anybody else. And Tristan Jari is a horrendous goaltender. So. Oh, horrendous. They go from Matt Mur- They go from Fleury, who was great. Then Matt Murray comes in. I think he was way overvalued. I know he won, and he played well, but he was way overvalued. He goes to Ottawa, and it's been terrible. And then Tristan Jari doesn't know what his glove hand looks like. I don't think he's ever caught up <laughs> in his life. And, and the Niners exploited that, but against good teams with good – like Carey Price, yes. He's not the same Carey Price he once was. And I know Brendan thinks he's very overrated, which he probably is because he's in the – Canadian media, but he did what he had to do. He didn't have to be absolutely unstoppable. He just did what he had to do. His defense helped him out a lot, and that's why they're on to the next round, and Toronto is playing golf yet again. Price is a a good goaltender. Okay, He's proving that he still has something left in the tank, but him and Marc-Andre Fleury, to me, will always be the two most overrated goaltenders in NHL history. I just I can't. Fleury was literally carried by Matt Murray to two Stanley Cups. And you just mentioned how terrible Matt Murray is. And he was just tossed out. Vegas wanted to toss him out last year when they got Leonard. So what do you and, think about Marc-Andre Fleury being nominated for the Vesna then? I think he had a very good year. I, I'm not sure if I would have nominated him for the Vesna. I think that UC Soros should have been up there as well, considering what he did for Nashville. Um, yes. But it, he had a great year. I'm not saying he has – he's not a bad goaltender. I, no, just I, I can annoy Like Vasilevsky is the clear winner to me. But oh, yeah, not even close. They're like, Marc-Andre Fleury has to win it this year. And I'm like, no, why? he does not. <laughs> why? <laughs> like, just because he's old. Like, why? <laughs> did you see the thing on Twitter where it said, you know, why does Vasilevsky have to be up for it yet again? Like, give somebody else a chance. He's very good at hockey. That's not how hockey works. I mean, Vasilevsky, yes, he has one of the best teams in front of him. But when he didn't play this year, they lost. And they lost bad. I remember a game where they got absolutely pumped by the Red Wings. Like, pumped. And they lost a lot of games when Vasilevsky wasn't in net. And that just goes to show. This Tampa Bay Lightning team is beatable, but Vasilevsky is a big reason why they don't lose often. So to me, it's not even close. He's the great, he's the best goalie on the planet. I think Hellebuck maybe should have. You look at this list. I mean, Hellebuck was the the snub I didn't. Like. Yeah, I mean, I even I, again I'm a little biased. I thought Vesna should have gotten a nomination. Uh, Vesna, I Varlamov should have gotten a nomination. But then you look at the stats. He didn't get enough wins, and that's what a lot of this is dictated on. He had a very good team in front of him, like all these did, but he split time. And it's in this day and age too. You know, Vesna's are great, but 
I kind of rather win than Jennings. It shows more of how good the team is. No, you wouldn't. Come on. Team-wise, if you have a vest, that means you have two great goldies. And in this league, it's very hard to have just one. And Vasquez is one of those guys that proves it. But even Flurry, Flurry needed Leonard this year. They don't goalies don't really play as many games as possible anymore. And you're seeing Vasquez as well. Vasquez is getting beat now. Now he's not unstoppable. Every goalie's beatable. But you're seeing Vasquez is is human. And maybe if he didn't play as much during the regular season, he's not as tired. But again, he's a workhorse. He's going to win the Vesna easily. Just had three straight games of one goal or fewer. I know, but you're seeing some of the like the five hole goal. You know, you're seeing that. No, I'm not Brent. I'm not saying he's not a talented goaltender. I'm just saying this. We're in a oh, day and age when hockey's changing to tandems. You need, you need. Most teams need tandems to win. That's why I'm saying the Jennings Trophy is more important now than I think than it was in years past. No, no, no. <laughs> just now. You'd rather win a Vesna. But Shannon, who are you taking to win the cup? Who'd you take, and are they still your pick? Well, uh, I took Florida, so that's not looking great. <laughs> <laughs> but now I think. Um, so if the Bruins come out of the East, I think they have a really good chance to go to the cup, but they're going to have a really hard time getting past Tampa. Um, but Colorado also is a really, really good choice. Um, I think any of those three teams, I, I don't want to, I, again, picked Florida. So, so my, my choosings are not too great right now. Uh, but I think any of Tampa, Colorado or Boston are safe picks. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to stay out of this conversation just because uh, <laughs> my jinxing ability has been second to none this season. And I had made my bracket, and I'm not going to reveal it until it's over. Because... What do you mean you're not going to reveal no, it? No, we I already have... know who you picked okay, to win I the pick... cup. Who did I pick, Brennan? The Islanders. No, I didn't. You really? No, I picked Vegas. I'm very I picked, proud of you. I picked Vegas over Boston. Okay, there you so... have it. There you have it. So now oh, I'm wow. So you back. really screwed yourself in this one. <laughs> well, unless I jinxed it. You never know. Your, both your teams are still in it, though. That says something. <laughs> and I have Mark Stone to be the player, so the player that carries him over the hunt. So I'm not. I'm not. My picks are stellar. I had Colorado winning it before puck drop regular season, and yeah, I had them did. playing Tampa. So we will see. We'll see. And it just shows that we know what we're talking about a little bit, or Sometimes. we're just very, we're Sometimes. just very lucky. So that is definitely it. Yeah. So, Shannon, tell us a little bit about your podcast. Tell us where people can watch your shows and everything because it is fantastic. Your coverage is absolutely outstanding. Yeah, guys, thank you. So uh, I'm co-host of the Slapshot Sweethearts. I host with my good friend, Megan. Uh, We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We're very active on YouTube. We do some recordings on Spotify and Apple, but usually those are only pre-recorded and we're not doing those during the playoffs do not have time. <laughs> so check us out on YouTube. We're doing live playoff coverage every night for the games uh, as you're watching it. Uh, we have guests on almost every night, so that's pretty fun. Um, so make sure you check us out there. We are on the road to 1,000 subscribers. We hit 650 last night, so that was super fun. Awesome. Um, so make sure you check us out there. All right. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for joining us today. Go get some rest because obviously you guys are, <laughs> we need it. But thanks again for coming on. We do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. So, Brendan, Shannon had a, a lot to talk about, and she had some great picks, great insight as always. So, again, Slapshot Sweethearts and a stellar, stellar podcast to watch, live shows every night as long as there is playoff hockey. And now it's time, Brendan, to dive into the Islanders. So after this commercial well, break. Before, before we dive in after the commercial break, we have to talk about the Rangers signing those long quiz for five seconds because we five don't talk about the Rangers go. anymore. It's on the clock, go. Nils Lundqvist signed his ELC with the Rangers. If they trade him, it'll be an absolute mistake. You can mark my words here right now. I think he's going to be an absolute stud, and they should keep him, and I'm very excited to see what he can do. If you don't know who Nils Lundqvist is, look up his highlights right now on YouTube because the kid is freaking good, man. Yeah, he's good. Really good. All right, well, now it's time for a commercial break. So after this break, we'll dive into... The Islanders uh, tough a loss in Game 3, so I stick around and be back in a couple of minutes. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. 
So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. I'm going to add them myself because yeah. they're the paid ones. All right, Brendan, it's that time. Islanders Bruins talk and uh, last night was it was tough. It was it was tough because the Islanders didn't play well to start the game. Their offense again was 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 not there. The shot uh, total wasn't there, and Rest played well. He didn't get tested all too often. Nothing crazy. He didn't have to make any unreal saves, and that's the problem for me because you know news came out a couple of days ago that Rask wasn't one hundred percent healthy. And in my head, no goalie is one hundred percent healthy after a long season. Doesn't matter how many games it is, you're not going to be one hundred percent healthy. But the fact that the media found out from Bruce Cassidy that Rask was dealing with nagging injuries, automatically I thought, okay, I want to just have to move this guy side to side, get him moving, get him out of his position, and find a way to score some goals. And they did not test him nearly enough. And in overtime, Rask came up with some big saves. And to me, I think it's because he wasn't working too hard in regulation. He had the energy to make those saves in overtime. And then we see what happens with Marchant and Varmov. And Brendan, you could dive into that because I really don't want to talk about how that goal goes in. Okay. So I know you don't want to hear this. It was an absolutely perfect shot. Mm-hmm. Now Varlamov was off his angle. Yeah, his angle is an understatement. His, his right foot was outside of the, the post. Yes. That's never the case. You never want to see that. Yes, and we talked about this you know, with each other last night that I personally think that the two people that the Islanders had on Marshawn gave Varlamov the impression that he was going to take it around the wall and he was just ensuring that there was nothing on that short post and then he was going to hop back across. And because he cheated, you're you're talking about a guy who a lot of people hate but who is very, very good. And there's a reason that he's scoring all these points in this league, and it's because he has the ability to, from no angle, go to the corner post like he just did there. And I I don't think that was unintentional. I think he meant to put it there, and he saw an opening, and he took advantage of it. And it's a goal that you don't want your goaltender to give up, but you have to credit the shooter there, too, for being able to see that and putting it there. Um it's it sucks because watching that game, I'm completely neutral, right? I'm not rooting for Boston, and I'm sure as hell not rooting for the Islanders. But there was points in that game, especially come the end of the second to third, where Boston had the ability to take not only a two-one lead but a three-one lead, and, and especially on the power play. Correct, and he played out of his mind, he being Varlamov. And then to give that up, it kind of erases that. But the only reason they were in OT at that point was because of him. So it's a tough, tough loss. There's no way around it because that was the ability to go up 2-1 and a chance to go up 3-1 on home ice. Now you are looking to even it up, and then you have to go back to Boston. So Boston took back what the Islanders had taken, which is home ice advantage, and it's an uphill battle. I mean, but this one was not going to be easy. It's not going to be like Pittsburgh, right? This is a different team. Boston yeah. can shut you down just like the Islanders can shut you down. And, and But now Carlo's out, right? I, I don't see him coming back and, and playing. McAvoy's a little banged up, so it'll be interesting to see who enters the lineup. They're already using Lausanne. I don't know. Maybe you can exploit that hard forecheck. And Lausanne was the one that made the mistake in um, overtime. Of- that, that wasn't on him, though. I mean, he was, was a, yes, but it, yeah. No, he was pissed off because in the end it comes down to him. But yeah, he made okay. the, the pass to his defender, and I don't know who the forward was that stepped back, but it yeah. wound up hitting the forward in this gate. Like, you're not expecting him to do that. No, but uh, you saw his anger after that goal and him oh. breaking his stick. And again, but you go back to Varlamov, and it's not the first time he's allowed a gaff, if you will, um, this postseason. And the problem is his slow starts. That is now, I think. I don't know. As some some Islander guy had a, a crazy stat on this. I think it's like the third or fourth game in a row that Varlamov has allowed a goal on the opening three shots of a hockey game. And while the shot last night by Craig Smith was an absolute laser to the top left, uh, top high glove side of the net, way too much time. It still it still goes down as not a, making the save. And Varlamov did, like you said, come up with big saves throughout the game, which is why this loss is more frustrating because you thought maybe he got past the weak goals. You know, they had plagued him so far this postseason. And even that first goal, it's not weak. Does he want that back, glove side? He probably does. But at the end of the day, it was a perfect shot that beat him there. 
And then he played well during the game. I didn't think his tracking ability was great. He was making saves, but at the end of the day, I thought there was a lot of times where he was looking right after the shot came and didn't know where it was. And again, that's because this Boston Bruins team have guys that could shoot from everywhere with raw talent. Speed is unreal. And when you shoot a puck a lot faster than expected, it's harder to track. But it's the fact that he couldn't get away from allowing one softy. And at the end of the day, does it, the reason he loses? No, the Islanders' offense is the reason they lost. Their 5-on-5 offense was invisible, and they got power play chances. And they had three power plays and had five shots on goal. And wow, that's be like, oh, wow, the Islanders actually got shots on goal. Yeah, but you look at the Bruins, and they had two power plays and had eight shots on goal. And while the Bruins' offense is definitely more talented, you had chan- the Islanders had chances. They had lanes to shoot the puck. And said they passed it off. Bavilli had two breakaways, couldn't score. He had a play where the puck came to him in the slot, and he had to catch it and then shoot it. But instead of shooting it, he went to go back door where no one was there. Probably a goal if he puts it on net. And if not, Rask is sprawling. Remember, Rask is not 100% healthy. He's sprawling, and there's no way he controls rebound there. Maybe they crash in it and score. But you don't put pucks on net. That's never going to happen. That's that's the problem because the Islanders, off, the Islanders defense is going to be great. The goaltending, you're going to get great goaltending. That's what it's going to be. But if you don't score goals, you're not going to win. And Barzal finally gets his first goal of the playoffs. He looked better and better. I thought he had a great game yesterday. He had a drive. I didn't think we'd seen so far this postseason. He shot the puck. Shot the puck, and he was determined. That first wraparound opportunity, he didn't get it in, and he kept pushing and pushing and find a way to get it over the goal line. That's a huge well. It's a huge momentum booster. And they go to overtime. It's just the way they lose this game is so the, – the only word I could possibly use is demoralizing. It, it, that is, that's a perfect word for it because it is, especially after coming back. Like if they just lost in regulation, you shake it off. It's a tough one. This is a good team. Let's get the second one at home and, and we'll go even back to Boston. But you came back. You had the building rocking. And they started overtime so well too. They, they were buzzing <laughs> to start the period. They and, shot it right at rest twice. Yeah, they did. But they they were creating chances. It was the best they looked, you know, all game, game pretty yeah. much. I think, uh, like they started off thirteen six shots were in their favor, and then it was a twenty to three Boston run where Boston just completely dictated play. And I know that you said that Varlamov should have stopped the first shot, uh, first goal by Smith. Initial reaction there. Yeah, I, I know it was your initial reaction. I think that was just a perfect shot. That's a scorer's shot right there. Um, he, he put that. The reason I said that is because I look at, again, I, I watch goalies at a lot, like differently than most people, but right away I looked at Varlamov and he looked down at his glove. So in my head I go, oh, okay, he tracked that and just missed it because we've seen that happen already this yeah. postseason. Then you watch the replay and he was just more dumbfounded that that shot. It was just, a, and after the game, Varlamov even said, say, he thought it was a perfect shot. By, it, was, uh, it literally was. There was just way too much time in the slot. I mean, he creeping into the slot. He had time to pick his corner, and he didn't make a mistake. And welcome back, Craig Smith, who who was battling an injury. But now you look ahead to Saturday, and who the honors go with in goal. Now the the, the fan base seems to be divided, and I'll give my take. I'm not saying it's the right take. I'll give my take. Every game is a must win in the playoffs. Your last game at home before you go back to Boston, you got to find a way to win this game. Now. Vlamov's played well, but allowed a few uh, a few weaker goals this postseason. And in a game like Saturday's, which is going to be a high-intensity game in front of the crowd, everyone's going to be going nuts, you need a strong start. You cannot go down early. You cannot afford to allow a soft goal in a game because we saw what happened with the Penguins. When they allowed soft goals, that was it for them. Once once Jari proved that he couldn't make the play, that series was over. And for, for the Penguins, they didn't have another goalie to turn to. If DeSmith is healthy, he's in the series. The Smith plays this series. Maybe there's a different outcome. They almost have two goalies. They ride the hot hand. After Sorokin uh, won game one against Pittsburgh, Varlamov started the next two, and then Sorokin came in and finished the job. Now it's time, I think, to make the move back to Sorokin because you can't afford a slow start, and you can't afford weak goals. And Sorokin has not really you – know, maybe statistically, he's allowed goals that he shouldn't have had. But you're not looking at goals that are just deflating goals. He hasn't allowed that at all. And against this Bruin team, there is zero room for error. Zero room for error. And in a game where you lose that game Saturday, you're down three games, one game back to Boston, clearly that's not ideal. It's not, not possible to come back and, and win the series, but I think Sorokin gives the Islanders the best chance to win. But it's going to come down to the offense, plain and simple. The goalie can allow one or two goals per game, and that's that's going to happen. If the Islanders can't score goals, they're not going to win. The one interesting tidbit here is that normally when the Islanders do switch goaltenders, yeah, the other team hasn't seen that goalie yet or that goalie has had success against that team. In this case, Boston knows that they can beat Sorokin, so their confidence won't be rattled. It's going to be – this is a good test for him. 
Because I think that as good as Sorokin's been, he's made some big saves, but he's also faced a ton of shots, and a lot of them have been from the outside. Boston's not going to do that. Boston, they they don't take shots unless they think it's a quality chance. And it's a very interesting approach because yesterday we were I was looking at the game, 10 minutes left in the second. Boston had eight shots on goal. And I'm like, you don't think that that's nothing. But their shots were all quality. Like, they were forcing big saves. So... The Boston Bruins knew that Sorokin's rebound control wasn't great early on, and they made him count. Pasternak was in the right position on a couple of them. Yeah, and it's a tough decision for Trotz, and one that he's going to have to really think about because, again, what, is there too much of a risk playing Varlamov? Again, he made he's the only reason that game went to overtime. And it's just a matter of you, we were at the game last time where they allowed a goal in the first minute. And, again, that, that was Sorokin in that, but they still, early goals, allowing early goals just – it's sort of especially when you're home. You're in front of the crowd. The crowds are going nuts. Everybody's excited to be there. You know, it's it's a thrill. It's so deflating when you don't. Not even that when you don't score first. It's how early you're allowing that first goal. If it's a close game and you're like a minute or two left in the first period, that's also deflating. But you're not trailing right away. You're once the Islanders trail, it's very hard for them to find their game because they need to. The way they win games is they score first and dictate pace of play. When the Boston Bruins score first, now they're on the defense and they have to, oh, now we got to score goals. And they're not a team that's good with that kind of pressure. They've come back in game, sure. They've blown their leads this uh, this series so far. They had a 3-1 lead in game two. That went to overtime as well. But you just look down, just need to start off strong. And I personally think I'd go back to Sorokin. But at the end of the day, again, it's not going to come down to goaltending in this series. It's come down to the Islanders finding a way to score goals, which they found a way in the Pittsburgh series. Their offense came alive. They took advantage of Jari. Rask is not Jari. That's pretty much plain and simple. Rask is not Jari. The way you're going to beat him is how you beat really good goalies. Traffic in front, making a move. But, um, Brendan, this has been a great episode. Thanks to Shannon Walsh for joining us, host of the Slapshot Sweethearts podcast. So, Brendan, we'll talk soon. we got two games on tap for tonight, Montreal-Winnipeg. Game two and game three, Colorado's up in that 2 nothing over Vegas. So, another fun out of hockey. We'll That's going to be an absolute war. You think so? Absolute war. All right, I'm, well, I'm loving it. Well, we'll check back in on later on Sunday or Monday, so we'll talk to you guys then. Enjoy playoff hockey and your weekend. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at BackCheckPod. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.